0: Uh, all right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer here. Uh, let's stand as we read this, uh, words of our God, uh, and then we'll uh, continue to move uh, through this. So, Matthew chapter 6, beginning verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All right, you may be seated. Okay so we come to we're at the end of the Lord's uh the Lord's prayer here and we've gotten to this doxology uh these uh words of praise words of glory that's what doxology means Doxos, glory praise uh, and logos words of so words of glory words of praise whatever you want to to say now as we talked last week you may or may not have these in your in the text of your bible depending on the translation uh, that you've got I I sort of did a a very scientific poll of when you memorized the Lord's Prayer as a child, did you memorize it with this part or not? And I didn't have anybody yet who said they didn't memorize it with the, for thine is the kingdom and power and the glory forever, amen. So that's, it's a, just an interesting sort of factoid for us. Uh, but we know that, uh, as we looked in, in the text, that this idea of kingdom and power and glory were common parts, that triplicate, that triumvirate were, uh, common uh, parts, two words of praise to the Lord in Scripture. So, when you go to other doxologies in Scripture, you see kingdom, you see power, you see uh, glory, uh, even, as we saw, sometimes attached to prayer. So, for example, we looked at David, who, before he prayed, had a very similar, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, uh, but at, before uh, his prayer. And we saw that they're attached to this prayer here by that word, for, uh, and we saw that's that's very important. They are born uh, from these requests. Uh, so, Father in heaven, uh, do this, uh, do this, and do this. As He goes through those list of uh, of seven things, do these things because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. That that we are uh, what we are praying is finding its uh, purpose. But also finding its confidence in those three truths that God has always uh, that God has currently and has always had the kingdom, the power and the glory. And because of that, uh, we can pray. So because uh, that is true, that you have the kingdom and the power and the glory, we then can ask these things of you. and because that truth, yours is kingdom and the power and the glory is our great delight. We ask these things of of you, so that uh, that uh, word for there is very important for understanding what to do with that uh, with that doxology. But but what are those things that we are praising God for? What does it mean that He has the kingdom? What does it mean that He has the power? What does it mean uh, that He has the glory? Well, let's look at those three declarations today. Uh, today what we're going to look at is we're going to look at what does it mean that he has the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and amen. We're only going to get to kingdom and power, okay? So we're going to get to kingdom and power. Next week we might be able to do uh, glory forever uh, and amen. Uh, but this week let's let's begin by looking at this idea first. Thine is the kingdom. Uh, yours is the kingdom. The, the first thing we learn is that God has the authority to answer what we ask. So we pray these things knowing that God has the authority to answer what we ask. God possesses and reigns over His kingdom. But not just in the future, He reigns over His kingdom now. Thine is the kingdom. Not thine will be the kingdom. Not yours will be the kingdom, but His is the kingdom now. God does not seek dominion. God has it, and that's important for our prayer life. It's important for understanding these things that Jesus just told us to pray for. Now, we've already talked about God's kingdom in the Lord's prayer. It's, in fact, the, the second thing that Jesus told us to ask of God, uh, but we do not ask that God would have a kingdom. Uh, he, already, he already does. We ask, and we continue to ask, that His kingdom would come. Uh, that he would bring, that he would send. Remember, each of those requests in the Lord's prayer, they all begin with an imperative, and we got to go back to our English grammar to remember what that means. They all begin with this imperative uh, request. If you if you're in the Greek, and you really want it's, it's it's an aorist imperative. They're all aorist imperatives. So you you've got this imperative here. So if you were sort of to, to reword it in a way that keeps that imperatival focus, these are all that God do this. So it, it would be holify your name come your kingdom We're cause to come bring your kingdom these are all things we're asking god to do uh and so so we we have asked god bring your kingdom not cause you to have a kingdom you've already got a kingdom we're asking your kingdom to come we're i mean we're praying for revelation 21 we're praying for revelation 22 we're pray, i mean we're praying for these things uh to take place we're praying for what the word of christ is doing so so here at the end just as uh as we have uh At the beginning, we come back to this divine focus. We come back again to the kingdom. And notice, God does not possess a kingdom. He possesses the kingdom. Uh, We're going to notice in all of these, in all of these three, the supremacy of God's possessions here. And in this part, the thing that God possesses is God's is the Kingdom. Our our Father, He may be in the heavenlies like we started out. Our, our Father who art in heaven. Our Father in the heavenlies. But it is not just heaven that is His possession. It is not just heaven that is His kingdom. Now, this has been true throughout history. From the beginning, the Bible stresses that God is the one who has always reigned over heaven and earth. Always. His has always been the kingdom. So, for example, Genesis chapter 14, verse 22. When well, the first times you're introduced to God... Uh, God Most High. Abraham said to the king of Sodom, Melchizedek, "I have lifted my hand to the Lord God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth." So, so all the way back, God is the one who possesses heaven and earth. We we even saw this in David's David's doxology that we looked at last time, when when we turned to First Chronicles twenty nine eleven. What did he say? He said, "'Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all.'" So God's kingdom is not just a heavenly kingdom. All in heaven and on earth, David says, is his. And after David gives that doxology, God doesn't come back and say, thanks for the prayer, thanks for the nice words, but you're not actually correct. You know, let me, let me clarify a little bit. He does possess those things. He always has. In fact, the Bible tells us that God even reigns over rebellious humanity. That God reigns not just over Israel and over his people, but God reigns and has always reigned over all nations. Uh, God has reigned this is even before Christ came so psalm forty seven verse eight what does it say? this is it's very simple it says God reigns over the nations. not a lot of parsing that you need to do to that not a lot of but what does he actually mean this is not some sort of poetic language he just said God, it just says God reigns over the nations God sits on his holy throne and so then it's no surprise with Christ who's again teaching us to pray for this kingdom to come, this kingdom that He is going to bring, this kingdom that that God is answering this prayer through the One teaching us to pray this prayer. God is fulfilling this promise through the One who's teaching us to ask for this promise. It's like when you're teaching your kids to you know, do something and you don't know that you've already done it and you're about to surprise them with this great thing. Here, Christ is teaching us to ask for His kingdom to come, knowing that that's exactly what what He's bringing. And so the Bible tells us when his son comes, this when the son comes, who is the King of Kings, who is that forever King who's going to reign uh, uh, until he puts all his enemies under his feet, then what does he give to the Father? In First Corinthians chapter fifteen twenty five, he gives to the Father of the kingdom. But he doesn't give to the Father the kingdom not because the Father didn't already have the kingdom, but because the Son seeks to have God be all in all. It says that's that's verse twenty eight. So after the work of the gospel, God will reign not just over the nations, but in the nations. Just as His kingdom now reigns over the earth, then He brings His kingdom to the earth and He will reign on the earth as well. Not just above the earth, but on the earth. There is a kingdom that sits over all. Just as there is a king of kings, there is a kingdom of kingdoms. And that kingdom belongs to your God. He reigns over the kingdom that sits over all other kingdoms. That's the kingdom He reigns over. Now, kings uh, and the demonic princes behind their thrones, they may reign over small earthly domains. They may have a kingdom, but they do not have the kingdom. But our Father in heaven does. And here in this prayer, it's that current dominion of God that brings surety to our prayers. God is not just sovereign, He is the sovereign, as we're going to see in just a second. Sovereign over an empire that stretches from heaven to earth and under the earth. Over everything and everyone. Human, angelic, creature, everyone in those domains. That's why Paul can say in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, God works all things according to the counsel of His will. Because He has control over all things. Because He reigns over all things. And because of that, He can order all things in order to answer our prayers. Because His is the kingdom. His is the kingdom that reigns over everything and everyone. His is the kingdom that even reigns over the nations. So here in the Lord's Prayer, when we say, for yours is the kingdom, that's what we're thinking about. That's what we're recognizing. We're asking all these things, remembering this truth, the kingdom is his. The kingdom is yours. So God, when I ask you this, I know that you can answer because you have the authority to answer. So we ask... Because God has the authority to answer what we ask. Because the kingdom is his. There's no one that can usurp authority and say, you don't have the power to do that. You don't have the right, I guess I should say, to do that. Because God has authority overall. There's no one in heaven, no one on earth, no one under the earth. That he does not reign over. And because of that, he can order all things according to the counsel of his will. And that means everything you ask. If it is his will, he has the authority to do it. So his is the the power yours or yours is the kingdom now let's look at the next phrase not only is his uh the kingdom his is the power thine is the power yours is the power so god has the authority to answer what we ask to do what we ask here we see god has the ability to do what we ask and, and again we see god doesn't just have power God has the power. There there is no edge, no limit, to the sovereignty of God. There is no part where His power is usurped by another power. In fact, there is no power that is not His power. Because He has the power. There is no edge to His sovereignty, nor, nor is there a rival to Him. We are not in a war between God and the devil, where their powers are sort of waxing and waning, right? And the darkness is coming. It's, oh no, is it going to be close? And it's just sort of, which side is going to win? As if their powers are in any way equal. Now, we certainly have a war, but the enemies of God do not have the power. They have power. I mean, the enemies of God, the evil ones that we talked about, The evil one, and his evil one's angelic, and his evil one's one's, uh, fleshly. They can do things that would cause, and do cause, you and I to be very afraid of the fact that we're in this war. But they do not have the power. They do not have the power. To say that God has the power is to say that God has all power. This is what we mean when we use the word that God is omnipotent that He is omnipotent, that He is all-potent, that He has all potency, all power belongs to Him. When you say God is omnipotent, that's what you're saying. God has all power. All the power is His. So if God desires to do these things, these things that we've asked for, if God desires to do these things, if God desires to listen to our requests, to hear our prayers, nothing can stop Him. He has the authority, but He also has the ability. There is no power that can even compare to our gods. Because God has the power. In fact, the Bible is going to tell us that God's power is so great that the Bible speaks of Him not just as powerful, but again, as all-powerful. In fact, we've seen it in His name. Uh, The name that He's given, His name is what? Almighty. Almighty. That he is God Almighty. That the, the word for Almighty is just like what it sounds like. It's not, it's not very uh, you know uh, inventive, it's just the words for all and mighty, all in power. God is the all-powerful one. He is God with all the might. God doesn't possess some might, God possesses all might. He is not God, some mighty. And he's not God. Behold the Lord, kinda of mighty. Uh, or the Lord more mighty than I. It is, He is the Lord Almighty. He is God Almighty, all-powerful. And God has always wanted His people to know this and remember this and respond to it. So God wants us to think about how mighty He is. He wants us to think of His great power and He wants us to respond to that great power and that's what prayer is doing. You would only pray and ask someone to do this if they could. Right? You don't go and ask someone to do something that you know they can't do. And here, here we ask the Lord, and the, the fact that we're asking is a recognition. We ask you because we know we can't do this, but you can, and you can because you have the power. So all the way back, Genesis 17, 1. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. So, I mean, this is, this is when God is sort of first introducing himself to Abram, to Abraham. The, 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 the name he gives to him is, I am God Almighty. You want to know who it is that's talking to you, Abram? Which is going to be very important for Abraham to know. Know that I'm Almighty, Abram, because I'm about to tell you that I'm going to do a very mighty thing among you. And he wants Abram to recognize that. He wants Abram to recognize, I am the almighty God and I'm going to tell you this is what I'm going to do and I can do it because I have the power. And so when the question comes up of can God really answer our prayer for a child? Can he really keep his promise uh, to a prayer? we didn't When you're looking at the narrative, we didn't really have the faith to ask for at this point anymore. Can God really do that? What is his response? Genesis 18, 14. What's his response? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you. About this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. It's going to happen because nothing, nothing is too hard for me. Nothing is beyond my power. Because I am almighty. Does God have the might to do that? Well, there's nothing too hard for him. And because there's nothing too hard for him, then there is nothing you can ask that is too hard for God to do. And we have to have that faith in asking, or we're never going to ask. We're going to think in the middle of asking, we're going to have what like we, we saw several times, what the Bible warns about, which is asking, but not asking in faith. Asking while doubting. Just knowing, well, I'm supposed to ask, so I'm going to ask, but there's no way he's going to do it. Or no way he can. This is why Jesus can say with confidence. He can say with God, impossible is Nothing. Because he possesses all power. So Matthew nineteen uh, twenty six. but Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. How can all things be possible? Because God has the power. He has the power. And God's power is, is tied in some ways to his kingdom. And since there is a kingdom that sits over all, and God rules over that kingdom, then God is also the king over all and the one true sovereign. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 15 and 16. Which he will display at the proper time, he who is blessed, he who is the blessed and only sovereign. The king of kings and lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Not only does Paul tell Timothy, not only is God sovereign, He is the only sovereign. Now, I actually don't love the word sovereign here or, or, or sovereignty. Often those are not good. Those are not good, uh, translation words because sovereign, sovereign literally just means someone who rules over. And, and they would fit with other texts, but they don't, they don't really fit, fit here. Here, for example, the word for sovereign, if you're, if you're reading this in the Greek, you're reading in the, in the language that, uh, that the Lord has given it to us in, the, the word for sovereign is the same as the word for power in the doxology. When it says Zion is the kingdom and the power. So literally, it's not saying he's the sovereign. One. It's got nothing to do with reigning over all. Sov over reign. sovereign. reign. It's about the power that Christ is and the Lord is power personified. He is the, if you were going to be as, as you, he is the powerful one. So so he will display at the proper time. He is blessed and only powerful one. He is the personification of power. But God does not just possess the power. So here we see God is God is not only is he powerful, he, contains, he has all power, he is there is power personified in Christ. He is the only, the only powerful one. Not just the only sovereign, not just the only one really, but the only one with with the power, the only one with the power. God doesn't just possess that power. God is the power. Matthew 26, 64 says this. Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. To be seated at the right hand of God is to be seated at the right hand of power itself. And again, in in the Greek, we don't see it in the English translations often, but it does not just say, seated at the right hand of power, although that's that's how it's translated here, at the right hand of power. It actually says, at the right hand of the power, just like it says in the doxology. For thine is the power. And then you get here to Matthew 26, later on when Jesus is talking, and he says, you'll see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power. The same power that he referenced in the doxology. If you want to add a little the there in your text, you can. So we, who do not have the power, do not have the might, but he, what? He is the Almighty. He is the Almighty, we are the no-mighty, right? He has all the might, we have none of the might. So all of these requests that we're bringing are possible for God because He has the power to grant them all. He has the power to do them all. And we ask them not to make our power greater, but because we long for His power to be shown in His care for His people. So we ask, God, we ask God these requests. We ask Him all of these requests because He has the kingdom. And we ask God these requests because He has the power. And so we've got to remember those when we come to prayer. So what can we do with these first two things? Let's talk about uses. What can we do with these first two things? So that's what the text is t- telling us. What can, what can we do with it? The first thing, when we pray... And, and really before we pray, in order to get us to pray, you must take comfort and have confidence in God's reign. Uh, we, we would dare not disobey God by denying Him His due. And so if we are to pray, Thine is the kingdom, then we must obey that command to pray for thine is the kingdom by believing that that is actually true. If God says that he reigns now, we must not allocate his real rule to the sweet by and by or some other time. If you do, that will affect your prayer life. If you think there is a kingdom that opposes his, or if you think there's a kingdom that that you are in and he cannot affect, if you think there's a kingdom over his or equal to his, it will affect how you pray. You will see the enemies that you go against and you will think, well, what can I do? They are against me. I'm in their world, their realm, whatever. So for the Christian, God's current, not future, not probable, not possible, but current reign over everything and everyone is a foundational focus and a source for certainty in our prayer life. If we do not think that God has the kingdom, then we will be uh, overly fearful. We will overly uh, fear the plans and actions of the enemy. And we will not be moved to ask a God whose reign seems more up there than down here. We'll begin to think, well, this will all be fixed when God comes down here. Or sometimes we even, get our, we even get our eschatology so backwards. It'll all be fixed when down here, goes up there. I don't know. We just get all weird. Uh, and, then, and then everything's going to be fixed. Then God will reign. And there's so much scripture that tells you that's not the case. He reigns now. He rules now. But what about my law? He reigns over the nations then. And unless you think he reigns over the nations less post the coming of Christ, he continues to reign over the nations now. And if that is true, then you can go to the one who has the authority to answer everything you ask. And know that no one can tell him, this isn't your realm, God. This isn't where you rule. You rule up there. He has the authority everywhere. He has the authority to answer everything that we ask. And if we believe that, that will affect our prayers. If you don't believe that, you'll think, well, I don't know what's going to happen down here because God's not really in control. And that's going to lead to a wayward prayer life and will eventually lead to a non-existent prayer life. Because we won't have the confidence that God has the authority to even do anything yet. Uh, We'll think it'll all be one day. I say that one day, you're right, that that one day is true today though. And has been true every day since the first day and before. So we must take comfort and we must take confidence in God's reign. So your prayer life has to recognize His is the kingdom. So, when you pray, you've got to make sure you're recognizing God reigns now. He has the kingdom now. His is the kingdom, not will be, not once was, but is. And the second thing we must do, if we're to have a vibrant, healthy prayer life like Christ is asking us or commanding us to do, the second thing we must do is deal with the power. Is it in the same way you must take comfort and you must take confidence? In God's power. So just as we must not disobey the word of God by telling him he doesn't have the kingdom when he's told us over and over that he does have the kingdom and we go, no, 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 I don't think you understand. You really don't. In the same way, we must not disobey the word of God by minimizing the power of God. I want you to think of God as powerfully as you can. Right now, think of it as powerful as you can think. And it's funny how many times I say that and I say think how many people naturally just close their eyes. Uh, <laughs> let me do that. Uh, think of God as powerfully as you can. Maybe even more powerful than you've given him credit for. And maybe you're a super sovereign guy. Uh, I want you to take it as powerful as you think God is and then I want you to realize that even that is nothing compared to his true power. Even that doesn't grasp it. Even the idea of its power, doesn't actually grasp the power that your God has. Even those who hold to the loftiest sovereignty of God cannot even begin to grasp the true power of God Almighty. The one true powerful one. No one can. So how much worse do you think it's going to be if we don't think of God as having all power? if we think that there are things that He cannot do, if we think there are forces that can stop Him or slow Him, that will of course affect our prayer life. If we minimize the power of God, if we don't think He has the power, if we don't think He is all-powerful, if we don't think He is the power, then we will not pray like we should. Because we might think He's got the authority, we may just not think He's got the ability. I don't even know if God can do this. I don't know if God can fix my marriage. I don't know if God can fix me. I don't know if God can save my lost neighbor. And that affects what we ask for. And it affects how we live. I mean, this sort of defeatist attitude that we have comes back not to our view of ourselves. That's what we in our humility will say. The reality is it comes back to a dishonorable view of the power of God. Because if he has all power, then there is nothing you can ask him to do that he cannot do. That he does not have the ability to do. And if God has the ability to fix anything or do anything, then what will you do? That greatest problem that you've got in your life, that thing that weighs you down, that thing that keeps you up at night, the thing you worry about, the thing you get anxious about, who will you go to with that? If God has all the power, you will go to him. And let that be a good barometer for you. If you're anxious about something, you're concerned about something, and you are not always going to him who has all the power, that might show you just how little your faith actually is in God's power. I mean, here's a reason my kids come to me all the time to get the candy off the top shelf, right? Because they can't get it, but they know who can. And so they come to me and say, hey, can I have that candy? Can I have that? And I say, no, it is not good for you. And they say, bless you, Father, for watching over me. And I say, bless you, child. But if God is the only one, if you know you you can't, and no one else can fix it, you know, no one else can do this, but God can. Who will you be going to? I mean, you will be henpecking the Lord. Just like, remember, when your kids are little, and it's mom, 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 because only she can do it. Dad, 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 or papa, 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 because I'm the only one who can do it. In the same way, if we really... We can all talk about the sovereignty of God. and We can all talk about the sovereignty of God and salvation. All these things. We can be super lofty, sovereign, good reformed folks or whatever. But if the sovereignty of God that you believe in does not affect your prayer life, if you do not believe in that sovereignty in any sort of earthly way to actually change things in the life of His children, you're not giving God the credit that not only does He say He is due, but that He demands is His due. You pray these things, and you pray them because He has the power. For thine is the power. And so if you pray all these things, but you don't do that, you don't pray those, or when you pray those things, you think He doesn't actually have the power to answer it, you're not praying as Christ taught us to pray. You're not praying it. Even if Christ didn't add, "For thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, and thine is the glory," you would still know from the rest of Scripture those things are true. Which is why you can pray this. Now, these are just good summations of what the rest of Scripture teaches. If you don't think that, if you're not confident that God has the power to do everything, then you will begin to quit asking God to do anything, and prayer will just be token. You just go through your prayers like you're supposed to but you won't actually believe He's got the ability. If we want to model not just the Lord's Prayer, but to model the heart behind the Lord's Prayer and the confidence behind the Lord's Prayer and the comfort found in the Lord's Prayer, it's going to be when we believe that God has the kingdom and that means He's got the authority and He's got the power and that means He has the ability. God is all-powerful. He's power personified and we must believe that and if we do then we will pray indeed we must pray because we know he is the one who has all the power and who reigns over all the kingdoms in heaven and on earth and under the earth so let's pray Let's take a moment and respond to our God in prayer. Let's ask Him these things. Let's confess things. Take a moment and confess any sin. Sins of disbelief. Sins of robbing God of His due, of His glory. Living in a way that is saying, God, I I haven't been living as if yours is the kingdom. I've been been doubting that you've got the authority to do these things. I've been giving the devil way too much authority. I've been giving whatever way too much uh, reign. I've been thinking of you as the God up there instead of God here, reigning over everyone and everything. and I've made you distant. And so that's kind of slowed my prayers. I haven't had the the comfort and the confidence that comes in knowing that, that yours is the kingdom. Ask God that you would see Him as the King of kings over the kingdom of kingdoms. That you would see Him as the one who possesses heaven and earth. The one who reigns over the nations. Those are all just phrases from the scriptures that we read. Ask God that you would believe that. And then ask Him that that would affect how you pray. Ask God to help you ask for these things you're supposed to ask for, these things in the Lord's Prayer. Say, God, help me to ask for these things, but help me to ask for them because I believe yours is the kingdom. Because I believe you are the one who has the authority to do these things. And if I believe you have the authority, Father, I'll take comfort, I'll take confidence, and I'll ask these. And if you're looking at this list and there are things in that list, whether it's the howling of His name, the coming of His kingdom, the doing of His will, whatever it is that you do not ask a lot, then then maybe the reason is you don't think His is the kingdom. Ask also now about His power. Confess. If you have minimized or mitigated the power of God, confess that. Intentionally or unintentionally. Maybe you've been someone who just has intentionally like, no, God doesn't. God doesn't have the power to do that, or He doesn't. He doesn't do this, or He doesn't. Or maybe you've just accidentally, in your life, you know, you have theologically and textually or whatever, been able to say, yes, God is so sovereign; He is the powerful one. But in your life, you don't actually live that. Or you would, you could write it out in a good theology test, and you would confess it in a good credo exam. You'd be able to answer the catechism question. But in your life, it's not there. And you see that most clearly in how you pray. Because you either don't ask for things or you've quit asking for things. You you don't think he has the power to save that person that you so desperately want saved. And you see that because you've quit asking him to do it. You don't think he has the power to fix... Well, you say you desperately want Him to fix. But you don't believe in His power enough. you think He actually has the ability to do it. Because if he had the ability to do it, you would be going up to Him and saying, Father, 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 like that persistent widow that He tells you to be. So what is there in your life that you have quit asking God to do? Because in the end, you actually don't think he's got the power to do it. Confess that. Confess that limitation on power that you have put on him, that he has not put on himself. That he's told you over and over, he has the power for to battle any temptation. You to think he doesn't have the power to do this? No, he goes. He goes over and over and over in scripture. He's got all power, all might. His is the his is the power. He is power. But your prayer life doesn't show that. Confess it and then just ask Him. Say, Father, teach me. Teach me that you have power like that. Teach me. Teach me that you have the power that you, that you describe in the Scriptures here. Help me to believe. I believe, help my unbelief. So if we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer rightly, church, it's going to be when we believe that His is the kingdom. And his is the power. So let's go to the one who has the authority to answer that prayer. And who has the power to answer it in us. Father, we come to you this morning. Our great God, the one who rules. You are reigning in the heavens right now. But you're reigning over this earth. You are reigning over everyone and everything in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Yours is the kingdom. And to think that we can boldly approach that throne. It's only possible through Christ. So we are we are clinging to him. We are, we are, we are clutching His 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 atonement, His His blood that, that enables us to, to enter and to ask you. One who reigns over everything. To, to speak. To speak to the power. The throne that is power and the one who sits on it who is power. We speak to you now, Father. And our lips and our hearts tremble even as we recognize that. That these, these prayers are actually coming before the Almighty that sees everything about us that knows everything about us and yet commands us as his children to ask. And so, Father, we ask you, teach us these things, Father. Teach us, your children, what only you can teach us. And help us to believe it, Father in a way that gives us that comfort and that confidence in our prayers. You have the authority. You have the ability. And you tell us to ask. And so we do, Father. We ask you because only you have the authority to answer and only you have the power to answer. Help us to believe that. Because yours is the kingdom and yours is the power. And those things are true forever, from age to age. Amen.